Welcome back. That's the famous organ playing of James Peter. He's available for bar mitzvahs, for weddings, for 21st, for 22nds and 23rds. Welcome to the It's a Monkey podcast, episode number 15, Friday, the 15th of March, 2013. With me is James Peter. James is the CTO head tech genius at 89N, home of Manage Flitter and CheckDog. And my name is Kevin Garber. I'm still trying to work out what I do, but at 89N and Manage Flitter and CheckDog as well. James, greetings. Good morning. How has uh, your two weeks been? Yeah, it's, it's been a good two weeks. We've made a lot of progress and managed Flitter. So, yeah. yeah, it's been pretty successful. We now accept Visa and MasterCard and manage Flitter? We do, yeah. As of, as of yesterday, we get, uh, we're no longer PayPal only. So, long time in the work that works that one. About but I take, I take my hat off to PayPal. I mean, us in Australia here, we have limited, uh, we won't get into the boring politics of it all, but um, PayPal actually allows, uh, allows people to get going with international payments uh, immediately. Yeah, they do. PayPal's always been uh, just that reliable thing. You know, you can always just use it and, and know that it's going to work. So, yeah, no, it's done us pretty well. You know, we've been using them for, what is it, two years now? About just, just over two years. I think it was February 2011 we kicked off yeah. with paid plans. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's got us to where it is. And um, it, it is complex in Australia um, receiving money in US dollars and charging in US dollars for a variety of reasons, but thankfully getting a little bit better. Anyway, we've got a great podcast show lined up for you today. As usual, we're going to kick off shortly with some news, some tech news. Um, we'll be interviewing um, Hirsch Agrawal later on in the show, who is the co-founder of an interesting new startup called Branch.com. Branch.com is funded um, in part by some of the Twitter guys, so uh, doing interesting work. They are based out in uh, New York City. And um, next week on the show, episode 16 in two weeks, at the moment we're running on a, a every second Friday schedule, so check your iTunes on Friday and Saturday for the new show. In two weeks' time, we'll be interviewing the co-founder of Yammer, Adam Pizzoni. That'd be a good one. Um, yeah, um, super smart guy. Yammer, of course... You know, just came in hard with a, a Twitter for enterprise, doing exceptionally well, making great money. And of course, the proof often in our industry is in the exits. And they got sold to Microsoft last year, I think for $1.2 billion. Yeah, crazy, crazy money. So considering they're just, uh, yeah, they're just a Twitter for, Twitter for enterprise. Twitter for enterprise, and but they were profitable really quickly. I mean, enterprise is always easier to sell to if you do solve a problem. Um, you know, yeah. always a lot less sexy than consumer. I know Michael Arrington from TechCrunch is, you know, he always comments how boring enterprise is, but there's a lot, there's a lot of a lot of interesting problems in enterprise, and and boring often is very profitable. Yeah, lots lots of money to be made. Lots of money to be made. So we'll be chatting to Adam Pizzoni um, in two weeks' time. Um, James, South by Southwest seems to continue to be quite an important tech conference. Of course, South by Southwest was was really where Twitter managed to push forward a few years ago. I think they had screens in the audience where people were they were projecting uh, tweets live, and that was really where Twitter seemed to reach a critical mass. So it is quite a, a respected tech conference a tech slash music slash cultural slash everything else conference 
Yeah, there's definitely been a few startups that have um, that have had their launch pad at uh, South by Southwest, and yeah, no, it's always always a place where I think there's just so many um, you know people from the industry coming together. I think it's probably one of the largest uh, largest gatherings of people um, you know anywhere in the world, and yeah, it's just uh, that's that's I guess what causes it to be um, you know so popular. Uh, paint us a picture. You were at South by Southwest last year. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a year ago doesn't doesn't feel that long, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a very interesting place. There's just so many people and so many different things happening. Um, you know, it's 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 almost overwhelming in some ways, um, and just because there's so many people, like you, if you want to go and do everything, you almost have to schedule it, and you have to be there about an hour in advance, and um, and you have to get your timings down, uh, you know, really well, but. I think the real value in South by comes in sort of just sort of the the people you kind of meet in various places and you know doing the trade shows and sort of the chance encounters people might you might be sitting by in, in you know the keynotes I think that's where the a lot of the the value really comes um, so yeah it's just a really really interesting place and uh, it's a great sort of celebration of technology um, and of course there's the music and um, a film side of it as well which is you know um, popular in its own right. I mean, I think it used to be much more of a music festival originally, and then sort of the tech side has just become much stronger over the past few years. Um, you know, really since Twitter did get its launch, I think that's where I sort of started to, to build up. Interesting. It's in a, a town called Austin, Texas. And uh, I actually met some people from Austin the other day in Sydney. And it really seems like it's a little bubble world of progressive thought in a relatively conservative state. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know, Texas isn't necessarily known for its uh, you know progressive uh, culture, but yeah, no, the Austin is very. We're going to get into trouble for those comments, by the way. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> oh, I think I think probably most Texans probably agree. But um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I th- probably probably because of that, because it's kind of like you know, it's almost got this weird vibe, and they celebrate their weirdness in many ways. And I think that's kind of why you know it's kind of you know battling against the outside culture, and that's why it, you know it really accentuates it uh, within the city. So. Yeah, it's a really great place. Austin is also the home of Whole Foods. The famous Whole Foods store in the States um, was started in Austin, Texas by a very interesting guy. Mm. Now they turn over squillions and of course they're almost a cultural institution in the States and they they really um, are are really on the cutting edge of um, food retail in many many ways i remain incredibly fascinated by them they just the way they present the food and just create the whole store experience is really amazing yeah i'm, I'm not a whole food person <laughs> so i have no comment on that <laughs> you're talking to the wrong person there yeah yeah well you know opposites work well together <laughs> um so tell us what's been going on at south by southwest this year yeah, there's been a, been a few interesting things. Um, you know, I guess one of the main things that's come out of this year is it's much more of a, there's no big winners. Like last year, there was a few sort of standout apps like Highlight that really stole the show. Whereas this year, there hasn't been any sort of huge major major sort of industry changing type things to come out of it. Um, but some of, the, some of the most important events, I guess, would be um, some of the keynotes. Um, there was one by Elon Musk, um, obviously the the infamous, um, well, not so infamous, famous. Um, Unless you talk to his ex-wife, which <laughs> wrote a really interesting. If, actually, if you if you do follow um, Elon Musk, who's a fascinating entrepreneur, um, his wife wrote an interesting piece in Vanity Fair, I think it was, mm. 
um, about her, his ex-wife, um, his first ex-wife. I believe he's divorced his second ex-wife. Now. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it must be hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, she wrote an interesting piece about the um, her experiences with Elon Musk. And, it's, and, and I always find it interesting, you know, I'm someone who... Who, who doesn't separate the art and the artist, or in this case, the entrepreneur and the person behind the entrepreneurs. I, I'm always interested in the backstory of people. So if you are listening and interested in Elon Musk, just Google Elon Musk's wife story. Um, but yeah, besides her, I think he's famous, not infamous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, yeah, he's the founder of the Telsa motor cars. Tesla. 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 Um, and uh, SpaceX, of course, that uh, the the first private space company to dock with the International Space Station. How cool would it be to own a space company? Oh, <laughs> Pretty word. awesome, yeah. It's just like, so what do you do? Well, own a space launch company. Rockets. Yeah, launch, <laughs> launch stuff into space. Yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah. yeah it's very cool. And, uh, yeah, no, he was talking a bit about uh, some of the challenges and... Um, you know how their their first dragon module it was having a whole bunch of issues and actually hit orbit um i don't think like the solar panels properly deployed and he was talking about all these hacks they had to go through just to get it to work um and yeah just just what a crazy journey it was i think that was one of the, the sort of the most popular keynotes at uh, south by this year yeah i haven't listened to that one i was definitely uh, i always enjoy listening to him talk and of course he's originally from from South Africa as well. So, um, you know, these risk-taking nations, like, well, well let, let me rephrase that. These, these countries where you grow up in, in risky-type environments, like South Africa, like Israel, you definitely develop a, a familiarity, a comfort of risk that you don't do in in, in, in places like Australia. Mm. Um, even in parts of the States, there's a lot more chaos going on there. You have to deal with a lot more uncertainty. There's something in that that propensity for risk in your environment that's that's quite interesting. Hmm. Um, I'd, I'd, it'd be interesting if someone ever did, did some sort of study around that. What else is? is you don't think Australia is risky enough? People don't. People don't have to beach. be risky. <laughs> you know, pe- people don't have to. Uh, it's it's it's. Um, there was an article in today's paper about um, you know middle class welfare in Australia. Hmm. You know how how it only used to be what was it? It used to be ninety two percent of the welfare used to go to the bottom sort of tranches, you know, the poorer people, and now that's slipped down to about eighty seven percent. So, mm. you know, welfare is creeping up, not down. Oh, okay. Which is quite interesting. So more a higher percentage of the population is getting getting welfare. Exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Not only the. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we're blessed with a, with, a, with a very chunky middle class and we're blessed with the equal distribution of wealth. And, um, you know, to, in a lot of these other countries, um, to, to live a decent quality of life, you, you, you really have to, have to be an entrepreneur a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Got to fight for it. You've got you to fight for it. You have to pay for health care. You have to pay for it. But um, anyway, we digress. What else is happening at South by Southwest? <laughs> Um, so I guess the other, probably one of the most interesting gadgets to come out of South by would be the, well, it's, it's been around for a little while, but it definitely, uh, became quite popular. Um, there was the, uh, leap motion controller. Um, and so that's the, the little device that sort of sits in front of your computer screen and essentially allows you to kind of point in space and, uh, and interact with things in the monitor. So have you ever, have you seen any videos of it? 
I haven't seen any of it. I've heard about it. I saw some articles about it, yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit like, imagine like a touch screen, but you're not actually touching the screen. Mm. So it's kind of just like, it's sensing the three-dimensional space in front of your monitor. There was that movie with Tom Cruise. Minority Report, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah, much like that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's probably the sort of the way things are heading, yeah, where, you know, the computer actually knows the position of your hands and, you know, every every little thing they're doing. You know, it'd be cool if... Um, if, you, if they had those gestures and if your computer crashes or blue screen of death or you're just really frustrated, you punch <laughs> and you can restart, restart your computer or something. <laughs> the harder you punch, the faster it restarts or something. It would, it would be a little bit weird walking into an office and everyone's doing these Tai Chi moves. You know, it looks like everyone's doing Tai Chi. and um, It's the future. It's going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's getting, it's getting a lot of press and it seems quite popular. Um, and it's such a little tiny device and the fact it can kind of just plug into your computer um, and, you know, you have all this cool new interface that comes out of it, I think it's going to be quite popular. Um, it sounds like the one downside of it is that it requires quite a lot of uh, computational power at this point. So, um, you know, you're going to have to have the latest laptop or latest computer in order to actually actually run it. But um, How come we're not um, just sort short-circuiting straight to... Um, brain thought because they've they've got a lot of that technology already I mean people think it's far away but there's actually um, an Australian in 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 the Bay Area I forget the name of a company um, they've already got some of this technology where you can train your brain pretty quickly to move cursors and things like that yeah it you, you can do you can do a lot but um, like I think to do it really accurately, you've got to have a lot of sensing equipment right now. So you're like you can't just have like a nice little thing that sits in your head no, or whatever. You're gonna no, have, you like, have like a whole brain skull. Yeah, thing. and to do it like really properly, I think you've got to have like needles going into your brain and stuff. So it's probably not the kind of thing that the average person would want to you know plug into their head every day. But um, yeah, I'm sure it will get there eventually. I think it's just. Uh, the problem with it has been traditionally that it's a huge sort of signal processing problem. There's so many sort of, you know, if you're reading the signals of the brain, then you've got to try and, you know, figure out where the activity is going on. And there's just so much noise that it's a very hard problem to solve. I think we are still a very long way from replacing keyboards and mice. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, they're not, it will be exhausting. They're not broken. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be exhausting to swing your arms around the whole day and everything. You know, it's, yeah. it's, they're not broken and people are so used to thinking in that way now. Um, but it would be a nice alternative. It would certainly be a nice alternative. People like the swiping gestures on, on phones and iPads and all the rest and all those type of gestures. Yeah, definitely. I imagine um, tablets would, would do really well from having that kind of sort of spatial awareness. You know, if you don't have that keyboard with you, then then being able to sort of point in space is going to be really useful. I think games, you know, obviously that's something different and the virtual exercises and all that, you know, those niche niche applications, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely one to watch. be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, 12 months or so. And um, records, LPs are making a comeback. Yeah, sure are. New, new ones this time, though. They're uh, 3D printed ones. So I think this is just the case that, uh, you know, 3D printing uh, is getting to a point where the accuracy is high enough that you can actually print things as detailed as, as records and have them actually play music. Very cool. Very cool, yeah, yeah. So that's sort of a, another thing that was getting shown off at South by Southwest as well. So, yeah, increasingly increasingly detailed 3D printing. It's um, it's always fun to talk to young people and just to see how technology, far technology's come. I was chatting to same people from Austin the other day and um, 
these two 16 year olds and I said oh so you guys you know you you don't remember a world without the internet and and the one said no I don't but she got all excited she went, but I remember dial up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty slow <laughs> it was pretty it was slow. a very different experience yeah it, it, it was it was a different experience yeah. um, thankfully we are we are well over that experience um, you're listening to Kevin Garber and James Peter on the It's a Monkey podcast. You can tweet us at Monkey Podcast. You, we're also on Facebook uh, as Monkey Podcast or It's a Monkey. You'll find us, search for us. Um, and we received a tweet yesterday as well, which I just want to read out. Um, if I can bring it up here. We love hearing from you. You can also email us if you want to ask us a question um, or just comment about anything. Um, we know you are listening to us, which we appreciate. Um, also got um, a new ad this week, which should be coming in soon. So we've uh, changed some of our ads. And um, yeah, we're going to keep it every two weeks. Um, we're probably going to go weekly um one of these days um let me just bring up so yes it's emily a hay who tweeted us and she said she loved the predictions from last week's interview about trevor long and social and tv um and thanks for all the a plus insights so emily we really appreciate that and um yeah please tweet us let us know um, who you'd like to hear. As mentioned, next week we're going to be talking to Adam Pizzoni from Yammer, the co-founder of Yammer. He's worked with David Sachs. Now, of course, David Sachs um, and Elon Musk used to work together at PayPal. Oh, yeah, right. Yep. And they used to work as well with um, Reid Hoffman, who's the CEO of LinkedIn. Oh, wow, really? At PayPal? So, yep. Oh. So there's... a there's this thing called the PayPal mafia, you know, where PayPal has, has just spun out all these fantastic entrepreneurs and David Sachs of Yammer, Elon Musk of Tesla and SpaceX and Reid Hoffman of LinkedIn. There's a few others as well. Um, so really interesting. Actually the, um, another South African entrepreneur was there. He was the CFO, um, Rulof Boerta, who's from Sequoia Capital, hmm. very, very well-respected um, VC and has, uh, has just funded all sorts of stuff that has gone exceptionally well. So, yeah, there was... There's got to be something there. It'd be interesting to do like a study or something on why, what it is, what features of the, the people that actually made them successful to come out of that environment, whether it's the, the connections or there was something else, the, the personality or something that was driven just yeah. in that way. Look, I think it's also smart people like to work with smart people. Yeah, okay. you know, there's there's some there's definitely that's why ecosystems form. As I'm sure you know, I've gone on and on and many times about the importance and value of ecosystems. Smart people like to work with smart people, so yep. that's why we got to create more smart people. It's all about sure do yeah, all about education, and that's the one thing that needs to be democratized. But um, these podcasts are great. We can just we can just editorialize about everything <laughs> and just everything sounds so important and we're so wise and, you know yep actually, you know everything <laughs> i actually hold back a little bit you you, you know you, you you naturally humble you know for me i just want to slap my fist on the wrist my fist on the table and just go right you know and of course we got a new pope as well that made the oh, first yeah. tweet yesterday oh really but it was in all Tweeting caps already? yeah they ah. tweeted tweeted shortly after um um, it, it sort of was announced, and uh, the, the the Pope's Twitter account is Pontifex. Uh -huh. 
and yeah, tweeted in Latin uh, something about uh, the new Pope is Francis. Here we go. Habemus Papen Franciscum. Huh. But it was in all caps. Right. What does what does that mean? That means that the, the new Pope is Francis. Yes. Right. So, yeah, the new <coughs> an Argentinian Pope. Yeah. So, um, which is apparently a very humble Pope. So we'll be interested to see if this Pope tweets a little bit more. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. It'd be cool if the Pope tweeted proper. <laughs> yep, let's not go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for better or for worse, it's... Um, actually, do you know Sarah Silverman, the comedian? Yeah, yeah. She put a f- really funny... I don't know how new it is. There's a YouTube clip of her where she's got a solution <laughs> for world hunger. Mm. What's that? To sell Vatican City. Okay. And it's it's very very funny. If you just YouTube Sarah Silverman and solving world hunger, it's um, it's very funny. She's a, she's a very very quirky comedian. Yeah, she's very very good. You're listening to James and Kevin on the It's a Monkey podcast. Um, we'll be back talking to Hirsch Agrawal, the co-founder of Branch.com, after the break. So stay with us. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by Check Dog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to CheckDog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. CheckDog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error-free. You're back with Kevin Garb on the It's a Monkey podcast where we cover everything related to the tech economy. Now, you may have an inkling that I am a content junkie. I consume <laughs> volumes of the stuff. I'm a huge on Twitter. I, I devour all tech blogs. And a startup a few months ago, I think sometime last, no, last year, piqued my interest, sort of got a story on TechCrunch, um, a company called Branch.com, which seems to be a bit of a hybrid between Twitter and blogging and forums. So I tracked down the company, which is based in uh, one of my favorite places in the whole world, which is um, in New York. And I'm happy to say at the end of the the Skype line, um, I have Hirsch, um, who's the the co-founder of uh, Branch.com. Hirsch, um, how do you pronounce your surname? Uh, Agrawal. So Hirsch Hirsch Agrawal from... uh, Branch.com is the co-founder of Branch.com. Hirsch, thanks so much for joining us. It's always a tricky thing to get the the time difference between Sydney and New York is one of the hardest ones. It's about I think it's I think it's (laughs) sixteen hours between you and I. Oh wow, yeah, so it's quite a bit of difference. Thank you for waking up so early. Uh, it's not. It's not that early here. It's nine a.m. So uh, the, okay. the developers, the developers aren't in. The engineers aren't in yet. That's. Re- it's really early for them. But the the rest of us sort oh, of. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the middle of our day. Hush. Um, give it. I, 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 I like think there's. Yeah, I think I think there's I think there's something in the DNA of of coders that they're. they're, they're, they're <laughs> Th- their brains are inversely related to sunshine somehow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hirsch, yeah, give us a... Always... Go ahead. Sorry, go? Our designers always get uh, annoyed that we don't have enough light in the office, uh, while our engineers always complain there's too much. So I think... Yeah. 
I think I think someone should do an, a study on uh, the you know the personality types <laughs> of the designers, the engineers, the entrepreneurs. There's, there's definite commonalities that are global around the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hirsch, uh, give us a um, helicopter view, uh, branch.com. Um, what's it about? What sure. problem are you guys trying to solve? So uh, branch.com is a place to have better conversations online. Um, the problem we try to solve is that there's no real place for a conversation on the internet. I mean, there's, there's sort of comment threads where you can interact with people around content, but they, they end up becoming this deluge of just noise. Uh, there's other places like blogs uh, where you can communicate out, but it's, it's also meant for sort of a soapbox, as a soapbox, right? You, you can't really have conversations there. Twitter is another place, but again, you're constrained by the 140 characters, and it's really meant for broadcast. So we're thinking, why isn't there some place that I can go? For example, I really like snowboarding. Why is there no place that I can go to and really chat about snowboarding with people who are also interested in snowboarding? There's these niche forums out there, but again, they, they're, they're sort of antiquated, and they, they really, um, because anybody can come post, they sort of become this people yelling at uh, like a, a whole lot of people talking at the same time, which again is not ideal. Um, and so we've been working on this platform for about uh, a year and a half now to try to build this, this community and this place where you can have interesting and intelligent conversations um, online. Now, one of the ways you guys have got some interesting exposure is you've, you've had mm -hmm. some interesting um, funders and backers, the, the guys from yeah. Twitter um, who are now um, have a company called Obvious Corporation, I believe, mm -hmm. are... Um, sort of backers and, and investors in you guys? Mm -hmm. uh, that's been a really, really fantastic relationship. So they, they left Twitter about two years ago to start Obvious, which, uh, which was actually the parent company um, of Twitter back in the day. So they restarted this company called Obvious um, in an effort to figure out, okay, what, what is the next thing in sort of uh, the social internet? Um, and so right now they're working on this single product called Medium, but they're also sort of incubating these two companies, Lyft and Us Branch. Um, and so they've been tremendously helpful just with their experience in this, this field and this, uh, this arena, uh, first with Blogger and then with Twitter. Now, Medium seems to be also some sort of content play and some similar sort mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. um, you know, part of the, part of the um, you know, ecosystem, so to speak, the way you guys are operating. Yeah. Uh, so Medium is more of a, a long-form content platform. Uh, the problem they're trying to solve is there's building a publishing platform where content is king. Um, and so not Twitter is very, very timely uh, and very, uh, very temporal. Right? Everything is, is very real-time and real tweets time, are very yep. real-time. Um, and so Medium is intended to be a place where you can get great content no matter when it was published um, and, and really a place for like high-quality content. So... They're long-form content, that is, somewhere between a blog post and a novel. Um, so I think that's the, that's the type of content and type of community that we're trying to build. Um, and they're focusing on the content that's created out of it. Um, we're, we're a little different where we're focusing on sort of the experience of being in the conversation. I think we're getting a lot of really cool content out of these conversations, but, but the really goal is that you enjoy engaging with people on the site and, and having these kind of discussions. How did the um, obvious corporation, the Twitter connection, 
come about? I mean, it's obviously to have those guys as funders mm-hmm. and mentors. I mean, is obviously a dream. I know, you know, being an entrepreneur and CEO myself, one of the things that is incredibly valuable is when you find a mentor mm-hmm. and you get input um, into the mm-hmm. you, you know into your journey. So, how did that whole relationship um, happen? So that was actually uh, sorry, Josh couldn't be here. He's my co-founder and the CEO of Branch. Um, and he's just he's sort of phenomenal at both meeting people and, and making connections with people and sort of more meaningful connections, but also uh, selling the idea. And so when we were about five or six months into the project, and we had some really interesting conversations going on um, on the platform. Um, I think we, we went out to the valley to try to sort of figure out what we were doing and try to get some advice from some people. Um, and as we talked to more and more people, we had several intros to these guys. They're like, these are some fantastic people. They, they're sort of trying to figure out what they want to do next as well um, and looking for interesting companies. And so after getting several intros to them, they, they grudgingly agreed to you know, have coffee with us. And then, uh, you know, the rest is history. That's great. I mean, what what are they like to work with? Are they that they, they? I've heard them talk. You know, I've 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 heard Ev and Biz and, and Jack talk at conferences, and I've, I've yeah. seen interviews. They all seem really. Um, they make really succinct, interesting, you know, fresh, unique points that that really get me mm-hmm. thinking. Are they are they like that in real life? They they absolutely are. I think succinct and interesting are are, are really great sort of uh, adjectives for them. It's, it's been interesting working with them in the last year and a half because I've never been around such remarkably intelligent people and remarkably, remarkably good communicators, um, which is, I think, leveled, me out, leveled us up as, a com- as co-founders, too, just sort of being around them. Uh, but they're, they're all super, super nice and, and incredibly intelligent and have phenomenal feedback whenever we, uh, we ask for help. So it's, it's, it, we're really lucky to have people who are not only so experienced and so smart, but are also willing to be so helpful. It's interesting you bring up the point of good communicators. Phil Leibon, who we interviewed, um, the CEO of, of Evernote, we interviewed on a couple of podcasts back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's on record saying one of the biggest elements, the most important element he looks you know, for in the hires is good communicators. Mm-hmm. Because with good communication, you can basically you know, get through anything, process anything, you know, deal with anything. And, and it's interesting, you know, that's, that, that comes across so much with the, the Twitter guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's something that we're noticing. I mean, this is our first company as, you know, college dropout. That's something we're noticing as we're building this company too, is that so many of any of the problems we have are, are solved by just more communication and better communication. I think, I think it's a, a bit of a meta theme for life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so. It's um, um, now, now tell us, Hirsch, tell us the whole, I mean, why didn't you guys base yourself in the Valley? Obviously, the Valley's got, Valley's got this unique mm-hmm. ecosystem that's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's unbelievable. Um, what's, you know, why, why New York? Why are you guys still staying in New York? So we, we have this interesting story where we actually went out to the Valley um, to work with the obvious guys for about five or six months uh, last January. Um, and then in May or so, we decided to actually come back and build our company in New York. Um, and there was, I think Josh wrote a really good blog post about this, but there were several reasons. Um, one, I think, and the most important reason is that I think we just miss New York. It has a different vibe from the Valley. I think Valley is very, very tech, um, which is great for building a tech company and a tech ecosystem because you can hire people, there's tech all around you. But it's also a little insulating because there's there's really, there's not much 
else. And so you, you're wrapped up in this tech world and you're thinking in this tech world and it doesn't allow you to reach out and connect with uh, the rest of the world almost. Um, and so one of our fears with it was that we'd end up building a product that was very insulated um, and catered to that tech world and not to, to the rest of the world. And I think New York helps us do that because you know there's, there's finance and fashion and, and media and all kinds of other industries here. Uh, which do you is think a, uh, do, do you think Cora suffers a little bit from that um, echo chamber problem? I I think so a little bit. Um, Cora, it's a, a little bit unavoidable with these kind of social tech startups because your your initial user base is going to be tech folks, right? They are the most sort of outgoing to these new platforms, and they are going to be your your initial adopters, your early adopters. Um, and so it's it's really a challenge of making that bridge towards everybody. I think we're a little more set up for that being in New York. Um, Quora has a little bit of that where they're I think trying to figure out what that next step is and how they bridge to the to outside the tech industry and what you know what they what they build beyond just question and answer um, and what their next feature is. So they're they're sort of trying boards and trying blogs and trying all these sort of floundering around trying these things. Um, uh, it's it's difficult. I I feel like every company goes through that stage. I certainly don't. I think they're trying, um, and it's hard. I I agree with you on the New York City San Francisco thing. I mean, I love both of the cities, mm -hmm. and obviously Silicon Valley isn't San Francisco per se. Right. But I th I think yeah, definitely the the pervasiveness of tech in San Francisco is is unbelievable. The way you can you know chat about APIs with the cab drivers, mm -hmm. you know, and but the expansiveness of New York. When I'm in Manhattan or, or Brooklyn, or the the expansiveness is just remarkable. The the inputs into the system, the inspiration, the way mm -hmm. it gets your mind thinking, is just absolutely in it unprecedented compared to the places that I've traveled. To. I think you said it so well. There's this is another reason why we came back. It's just the energy here is just so different, right? There's there's sort of a hustle. There's a there's a tingling, you know. There's a, there, you have to move forward and you have to move fast, um, and that sort of stays with you and gets you motivated, especially for such an early stage startup. And that I think has been really fun. Yeah, I can I can totally understand um, sort of the being drunk on that energy and mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. you know re really getting used to that energy. So I I I tried branch a few months ago and I sort of, you know, yesterday I got into it again and I, it, it reminded me a little bit of Twitter in the sense of the first 10 minutes, it really frustrated me a little bit. I couldn't mm -hmm. quite get around my head, uh, uh, quite get my head around it. Then after 10 minutes, I was really like, wow, I really like this and this is this is really cool. And I really love the way you guys can sort of, you know, break off threads into other threads and um, mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I definitely like it and I think there's really something in it so yeah I, I really um you know really started getting drawn into it um obviously you guys are the, the mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. of net networking effect property as well where one of your challenges yeah. is getting people onto the network yeah absolutely i think onboarding is always a challenge and i know talking to twitter guys how much time they spent on trying to figure out how to properly onboard people and educate people about what uh how they can best use the product and how they can get um get something out of the product. What's interesting is seeing how wildly different people's use cases are. Um, I mean, Twitter is a good example of this, but on Branch as well, different sort of groups of cohorts of people have very different ways of using it. Um, and so this is something we're exploring and testing on how to onboard and how to get people 
most identifying with the product quickly. I'm I'm glad you sort of uh, you sort of started to resonate with you and, and started to see what what really was working with Branch there. Yeah, I, I definitely. Um, I mean, it was the same with Twitter, and, and I think Twitter still has that problem of onboarding mm-hmm. people, you know. And um, what I, uh, I definitely, I, I definitely started getting drawn in, and I really wanted to search for topics of my interest, and was ready to sink my teeth into some nice solid debates um, on your mm-hmm. on your platform. I had a little bit of hesitation because I was new there, and like any sort of new community, you just you're not exactly sure what the faux mm-hmm. pas and what the the norms and standards are. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But this is uh, something where sorry, where this is something we think about every day too is how to get that stress level as low as possible. Um, one thing we we talk about almost every day is this 99-1 rule that 90% of people on the internet are not content creators, right? They're consumers. Um, and then 9% are content curators and 1% are content creators. Um, and what we're trying to move towards and trying to build is somewhere where everybody can, like we can break that rule essentially, make that 1% a larger percentage so that more people are interacting and more people are creating content. Um, I think conversations is one way to do this because it's much easier to be in a conversation than to create original content. Uh, but I think what we're thinking about deeply is how to lower, make it as low stress as possible to join that community and get like um, get an insight into what the goods and bads are and then just get started. Um, so absolutely, that's something we're we're working on and, and thinking about. I I think it's a really interesting point that um, you know only ninety nine percent or only one percent of people create content, but that mm-hmm. can change just like over the last few years. You know, people you know like mothers and grandmothers have become comfortable using social media networks. Exactly. I I think if if the platform's right and it's almost seamless in a way to their life and it doesn't jar them. Um, Getting them to create content would be probably very possible and and um, yeah, and very interesting, I think, as well. Exactly. I mean, in, in the initial days of blogging, the idea that you would put stuff up on the internet that was your own was absurd, um, and it was crazy. It was you had to FTP things, and and then you know somebody created a box and a button where you type in the box and press a button, and suddenly you have content on the internet. Um, and then these social networks came along, and so I think there's there's a long way to go yet where we can get a lot more people interacting. Uh, a lot more thoroughly on the internet, um, and we're trying to sort of go that route. So, I mean, you guys obviously you're still working out your products. I mean, you're obviously mm-hmm. a, a very long w- away from even thinking about things like monetization, mm-hmm. and that's obviously the benefit of having some uh, investors and some runway. Tell us a little bit about um, the company, your team, your your startup journey. What, you, you know, tell us about where you guys are at and sort of where the next three, six, nine months, uh, what plans are in place. Sure. So we are now seven people. We have uh, three engineers. Um, we have two designers, and then there's Libby, who is um, our sort of she's had, deals with publishers, sort of community, um, Twitter, um, copy, sort of like all around uh, badass in that sense. And then there's Josh, our CEO, who's also head of product. Um, and so we're we're still small. We have sort of a small engineering team, small design team, but we're just now large enough where we're. It's, we're sort of facing interesting, as I mentioned before, communication issues where teams working together, things like that. Um, so it's an interesting sort of fun ride at this point. But again, we're, we're a small team. Um, we've been at this for about a year and a half, as I mentioned. 
Um, Josh and I actually met at this uh, startup competition a year and a half ago um, and started working on, on this idea then called Roundtable that eventually sort of morphed into Branch. Um, both of us dropped out of school one fall, uh, that fall actually. He dropped out of Princeton and I dropped out of NYU to start working on this full time. Um, grabbed one of our friends uh, named Jemre as our third co-founder who is a phenomenal designer. Um, and then that, about five months after that, moved out west to work with Obvious. Um, we came back about a year ago now, maybe 10 months ago, and started building out the team. Um, and since then, we've gone from three to seven. So it's been an interesting and very fast journey. So any, I mean, is it very premature to even think about the monetization aspect of it? Do you guys are not even sort of just let it enter into any discussions? Um, so we think about it, we do think about it internally and it's something on our minds on how to, what, what, I think it's good to at least scope out the landscape and try to figure out, okay, what options are there if and when we do, you know, consider this and when we do think about it, I don't think it's wise to just completely let it go. Um, we're fortunate enough to have, um, investors and advisors, specifically obvious, who have sort of been through this process before. We're building these large sort of social networks. Um, where monetization, like product has to come first, right? You have to provide value in the product and later monetization will come. And so I think we're lucky then that they're less nervous than most investors um, because they have been through that process as entrepreneurs. Um, and so we have a little, like, they're a little more supportive than uh, the average investor there. Um, but we're certainly thinking about it and certainly keeping it on our radar on like when we have to start monetizing and when we have to start thinking about those questions. Uh, but for now, we're focused on making a product that provides value. I think yeah, I, I've always been at the opposite end of the, the entrepreneurial spectrum where uh, my companies have always been bootstrapped where we've mm -hmm, needed, to, mm -hmm. needed to turn revenue really quickly. And I think, mm -hmm. both, I think both journeys are really interesting to, to go through because they sort of stretch different parts of your, your capability and your potential and uh, both have their own sort of trials and tribulations. Oh, absolutely. I, I think... I mean, your journey is super, super interesting, too, because it's, yeah, it has different challenges, right? And there's very different things you have to think about and things you have to deal with. And I think it'd be an interesting journey to take someday as well. Um, it, our, in our case, it's a little different, um, yeah, with these kind of social, social networks, especially when you're trying to do something such as uh, change conversation on the Internet. I, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to both think about, yeah, uh, monetization and think about how to solve the product at the same time. Um, yeah. What, um, are you guys public with any user numbers or anything like that? No, we aren't, um, at the moment. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hirsch, I really appreciate your time. I mean, it's a, I, 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 as I said, I really got sucked into it yesterday. I'm going to have another play with it. Um, if we can, yeah, uh, please do. Uh, help you guys. It's, uh, you, you know, we'll definitely do what we can. It's, um, and one final question. What's your favorite restaurant in New York? Ooh, that's a difficult one. Well, uh, I'll, I'll first ask another question. Do you know how many sure. restaurants there are in Manhattan? Uh, a lot. I, there are, <laughs> I don't know, 20 on a block, so I, I can't even imagine. That's almost like a Google, a Google uh, job interview question, <laughs> yeah, right? really? How do um, you estimate that? I believe it's 40,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can see that. I can totally see that. This is very much a foodie city. So uh, no, no single restaurant that stands out for you? Um, there's, oh, you're really putting me on the spot here. Like what, 
what restaurants do we really, really like? Um, okay, this is not really a fancy restaurant, uh, but if you one of the best burgers in New York is is this place called Bear Burger. Are they, uh, where, um, is that, and are those burgers all Beyond Meat burgers? Um, no, they're not <laughs> Beyond Meat, although I, I have yet to try Beyond Meat, actually. Uh, <laughs> I wish. No, but they're all organic. They're all uh, right. amazing. Uh, I sh- you should try them out if you come here. There's, um, I'll give you a little tip for a restaurant in New York. Yeah. Up, Upper West Side, Amsterdam, <laughs> and... Who I don't know, 65th or something like that. Oh, wow, that's like four blocks from where I live. There's a beautiful, tiny little Italian restaurant called Celeste. You ever been there? No, I have not. I'll check it out. Um, Tiny, tiny. uh, The the owner tells me that they fly as many ingredients as they can from Italy. So not the most sustainable uh, restaurant (laughs) in the world. but um, And uh, they only accept cash, no credit card. And um, it fills up really early, and their pizza and pasta there is just absolutely, you know, unbelievable. So uh, give give that one a go. Will do. Thank you for that. Um, Hirsch from Branch.com, the co-founder of Branch.com. Really appreciate your time chatting with you. Really look forward to seeing the evolution, and I'm, I'm I have a hunch the success of of Branch.com. Thank you, and I appreciate uh, you having me on the show. We'll stay in touch. Podcast. All the best. Yeah. Thank you so much. Take care. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by ManageFlitter. With ManageFlitter, you can easily find out who isn't following you back, find new people to follow, track keywords on Twitter, and schedule tweets for the most appropriate times. Tweet code MONKEY2 at ManageFlitter to receive a one-month free budgie account. JamesBranch.com. Um still very much in its early days i sense yeah definitely it's a it's a brand brand new business certainly trying to do uh new interesting things um i guess in kind of a similar space to to what twitter was doing i guess in the early days um you know working on the working on a new way to communicate and you know the conversation space um yeah it's interesting it was quite interesting uh when he was talking about um you know, the whole New York vibe and how they find that, you know, quite useful to, to be, you know, outside of the bubble of Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, with all the other companies that are in New York. Yeah, it was interesting they that they went to the Bay Area. And actually, Josh, the, the other co-founder, wrote a blog post and basically said San Francisco is too nice. and Nice in what's Nice it? as in pleasant, ah, easy, okay. simple. Um and as we spoke about earlier in this podcast, I mean, I do think sometimes I think that about Sydney as well. I mean, Sydney, mm. Sydney is really nice. I mean, you know, I love the Bay Area, but Sydney, Sydney is just excruciatingly beautiful and pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, does that challenge us to be the best that we can be? No. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 one of these funny ironies of life. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I, I always reduce it down to a simple sports analogy, like when I was a kid and and playing tennis um that must be someone we offended <laughs> uh, the texans <laughs> george bush um you know when I, I always used to remember when i was playing tennis as a young kid that when i would play someone that was a lot worse than me and i would beat him six love i'd find it really boring and i just wouldn't play well mm. and when i'd when i'd lose sort of seven six I just thought I'd always played my best game, mm. you know, and and that you know you, you know you got a chance. 
Well, not only that, you you w- when you just pushed, right, just a little bit. It's pushed just a little bit. So the competitive nature uh, of these cities really pushes everyone. Whereas, um, yeah, Sydney, Sydney and Australia. I mean, pe- people must think, ah, oh, listen, you know, people stuck in snowstorms in Minnesota or something. Must think, oh, listen <laughs> to these guys just saying, oh. It's too easy. <laughs> too easy for it's us. It's yeah. too nice, and we got sun's always shining. You know. Yeah, it's always saying the sun's shining and healthcare and stable governments and no guns and yep. you know it's um, my my neighborhood's too safe. I can <laughs> can walk home and not have any problems any hour of the day. <laughs> yeah, no, it is it is, but yeah, look, life's th- there's a cost to everything in life, even things being too good. Yeah, that's true. There's a cost, but it's certainly a, a wonderful cost to have. So, but branch. Yeah, I've played with it. I like it. I think the problem is people are really saturated. They, they, they have total time saturation into creating content. And that's where Twitter was really successful in that 140 characters. You didn't feel guilty or inadequate um, by not creating enough content. Whereas a lot of these other platforms in blogging, you feel, oh, geez, I haven't blogged. And my blog's only three sentences. There's to to sort of get headspace and and time is is really it's really valuable real estate in people's lives it's hard to get yeah yeah i mean i I find the branch concept interesting it's um yeah i mean they're obviously trying to reinvent conversations right that's that's their that's their thing they're trying to find a place for conversations um which i guess makes sense i mean it's definitely sort of been a, a shortfalling of um of twitter um conversations aren't the it's not the easiest place for conversations and um you know a lot of forums a lot of blogs they're almost too long-winded so you need that kind of thing in between like twitter's not quite good enough but you still want to have like you almost have snippets of really good conversations on twitter like you know when you have like a little bit of back and forth but then it's very hard to sort of for anybody else to kind of jump in and see that conversation and and join in and participate so i can see that there's definitely a a pain point there but um just from what I've sort of played with the branch so far on the concept, like I still, I still find it quite intimidating and hard to sort of get my head around and get into. So I still think, uh, I think the concept has quite a bit of a way to go. Yeah, there's definitely something there when, when, when I get on there and I play with it, I, I like it and, and, you know, I like debating and I like engaging and I like, but it, I'm still not that drawn to come back to it in the same way that I am with with Twitter. I mean, these days, the only thing I, I, the things I, I genuinely go back to constantly is obviously email, Twitter, Facebook. Yep. That's it. And some of the blogs, TechCrunch. Yeah. Some, you know, maybe CNN.com and Sydney Morning Herald newspaper. That That's sort of about it. I mean, my Twitter feed will push me to all sorts of places. Yeah, but you only stay there for a short period of time, you know, sort of every day engaging. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm pretty happy with that status quo. Fa- uh, Instagram on the odd occasion, Pinterest never. Mm. Um, yep. Um, I don't go on Pinterest. And so, to you know, people have become really established in their habits um, with some of the social media networks. But look, there's, there's a lot of big niches on the net as well, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If branch.com just flies in one particular niche, the, you know, it could it, it could have legs. But I think it's still early days and that's the advantage of being a funded company is they don't have to, you know, there's, you know, 
with bootstrap companies like us, we, we you know our runways are always very limited, and it, it's yep. exciting and it's, it provides other challenges and benefits. But yeah, no, they definitely go uh, blue sky and see what happens. And yeah, they, these guys can probably sort of you know go for a couple of years and just see where it goes. And sometimes they can even have interesting users and tech that you know can even be sold out. So it's uh, and I guess working with the Twitter guys would would be a huge amount of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, are they in the same offices or are they separate? I think one of the guys, um, one of their operating offices moved from the Bay Area to New York. I think Evan Biz and right. them are still in San Francisco. Yeah. But one of the obvious corporation guys did move to New York as well. So um, there's always a lot of flow of people between, also people tend to sort of commute a lot between yeah, New York and cities, the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah, I think... The flights between New York and San Francisco and between and Sydney and Melbourne, they're two of the busiest routes in the world, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, the Sydney-Melbourne oh. route is also one of the busiest routes in the world. Hmm. Um, and interestingly, the Cape Town-Johannesburg route in South Africa as well. Oh, okay. So sort of these sort of little, like, real hotspots of, you know, yeah. economic centers. Mm, people pro- bounce around. There's sort of, sort of cultural sim- similarity as well, I guess. Yeah, Exactly. That people tend to do business a lot and have family a lot. And yeah. they're, they're, um, it's a long flight, Sydney, San, uh, Sydney, San Francisco, New York. Mm. How long is it's it? It's a long flight. It's nearly six hours. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was thinking it was like three hours. But Wi-Fi on nearly all of the planes. Makes it bearable. Makes it a whole heap better to sit there and work on these planes. Get a day's worth of work done six hours yeah nice nice solid work um anyway i think that's it for episode number 15 um don't forget to listen to episode number 16 we'll be talking to adam pazzoni ceo of yama please tweet us please email us and uh, we we love to hear you um two weeks time we'll be back with another podcast and you've been listening to james peter kevin garber from um 89n on the it's a monkey podcast thanks for listening Have a good one.